everybody. This is Bob Goodwin, and welcome to another episode of Career Club Live. Uh, if you happen to be watching us on YouTube, please make sure that you like, comment, and subscribe. If you're listening to this as a podcast, we would love it if you left us a review, as well as make sure that you make us part of your steady podcast stream. Um, today's episode is brought to you by our newest service, which we call Next Placement, which is our innovation in the outplacement or career transition services uh, industry. So with Next Placement, what we seek to do is bring a more people-centric, empathetic approach to addressing not just the tactical approach of job search, but also the mental well-being of people who are affected. In our view, these are real people who have experienced a loss, not just cells on a spreadsheet. And we want to make sure that they get all the help that they need as they move on from your company to the next stop in their career. So if you want to learn more, you can check that out at career.club and next placement. So um, I'm very excited about today's guest. Um, we'll talk about this in a lot more detail, but uh, one of the most common things that we hear from our members is that in their career, they feel stuck. And oftentimes they're considering making a move and maybe I should be doing something different and they don't know how to do it. Today's guest is an expert in how to do that. So Anna Billion is a uh, day job is as a DEI leader in Germany for the global professional services firm EY. But she's also the founder of WorkMazing, which is a career platform for people looking to leave a mark and do amazing work uh, in their careers. And She's also the co-author of the bestseller, Inspired by the Passion Test, the number one tool for discovering your passion and purpose. She's been featured in Business Insider, Thrive Global, Brains Magazine, and many other media outlets. In the past decade, her credentials are really impeccable, and has been leading numerous human resource programs for large-sized multinational corporations, helping executives and high-potential professionals step into more prominent roles. She graduated with a degree in economics and holds multiple certification, certifications in the field of personal and leadership development. <sighs> Catch a breath. So with that, I would love to welcome Anna Billion. Anna, welcome. Hi, Bob. Hi. Thanks for having me. Uh, I'm very excited. You, you've got quite a presence on social media and by reputation. We've had the opportunity to speak previously, and I just know that the, the framework that you have developed to help people in career change works. And I'm very happy to be able to share that with our listeners today. So thanks for joining us. Yeah, thanks to you. So excited about this conversation today. Well, okay. So as is our want to do, we have a, just a little bit of an icebreaker section to help people get to know you. So where were you born and raised, Anna? So I was born in Bosnia, which is, you have an international audience. So it is yep. in Europe close to Italy. <laughs> so I yep. think that may help. Yeah. And so then I've, yeah, I've lived many places. So I have lived in Italy as well in the US. And right now I am in Munich in Germany, where I live with my husband and my son, Tim. Awesome. Well, so you just anticipated our next question, which is a little bit about your family. So thank you. Um, I mentioned that you've got a degree in economics. Where did you go to school? 
Yeah, so I went to school in my home country in Bosnia, where I graduated. And then once I finalized my studies, I started working there. And then my work took me actually to working in other countries like Italy and Germany. So we're going to talk about that next right now, which is uh, we, we love for people to paint a little bit of a picture of their career arc. And it's very interesting knowing a little bit about your background that you've actually had a career change yourself and started starting off in accounting, yeah? And then before making the move. So do you mind just sort of sharing people a little bit about your career? Uh, yeah, sure. Well, my career, it's, it's its such a broad term because there's yeah, a lot of things happen, but maybe to make it really short is I... Uh, I always thought that I, you know, would love doing economics and I still love economics, I have to say, because that's what I studied and I still, you know, like making sense of the world. But for me back then, so working in finance and planning and control specifically, so that was, you know, what I considered being a job. And I actually didn't know that there were people who would coach others or run workshops or do whatever and get paid for that. And and then when I realized that there were other career paths that could Mm -hmm. really allow you to do things that I don't consider work and you actually can get paid for that. So that was, I would say, one of the triggers that really inspired me to, to make a career change and to really pursue the path that I was passionate about. That's cool. And, and, I know people are going to be inspired as we talk more about this. Just last quick question. Uh, what do you like to do? Hobbies, passions outside of work things? Well, yeah, I, I guess that's sad to say. Right now, I don't have that many hobbies because my family is my hobby. So uh, my son is three and a half and I oh yes. use yeah most of my free time to play with him and to spend time with my family. <laughs> Well, I, I, we talked before we came on. I'm actually in Oslo, Norway right now. And we're here with a three and a half year old little girl and our granddaughter. And so it is a full time job and a ton of fun. <laughs> so I totally get that, that that's enough to keep you occupied. And it's happy a good hobby, yeah. <laughs> exactly. So we're going to be talking about career change today because, uh, you know, well, maybe why don't we take half a step back? Do you mind just setting the stage for what you do at Work Amazing? Yeah, so I am a career coach and I help people who are at the career crossroads and they are thinking, oh, what should I do next? Or I know what I want to do next, but I don't know how. So this is where I step in and basically we work together on their career journey from getting clear to really getting them to the new place where they want to be. So that's if I really can summarize it. Okay, no, that, that, that's a very good summation. So I was going to say, at Career Club, you know, we often hear from our members that they feel stuck. And, you know, a lot of our clients actually are currently working. So many are in between jobs and, you know, considering what they want to do next. Mm-hmm. But a lot of people are at, and you sort of said this earlier when we were talking about finance, it was a job, but they're like, I, I don't know if I feel really fulfilled in this, it just doesn't feel like a fit. I don't feel like I'm in a, a flow state, as, as one of our friends likes to say. So at Career Club, a lot of our members would say that they feel stuck. So sometimes it's they're currently working at a company, but they're not loving it for some reason, or they're genuinely in job transition. And, and they feel like they're, they don't have as many options as maybe I think you know that they have. What, what do you say to people who feel like they 
can't or shouldn't consider a career pivot? Well, you know, it, it's a great question, Bob, because when you are stuck, then it, it is really difficult to come up with something. And even if you think that you would like to do something, there is that question, you know, am I actually up to it? Can I actually do this? And what can I do? What can't I do? And so, you know, in from working with a lot of people, what I have discovered is that most of us, when we are stuck, we do one of the two things. Sometimes it's a combination, but most people do one thing primarily. And so one of those is really, you know, going inside, you know, sitting in your room by yourself and then journaling forever and thinking about, um, you know, what you want to do. And then there is the other people, the other group of people who actually hate doing that. So they will do anything else, but really not confront themselves. And so what they will try to do is talk to other people to see, Mm -hmm. hey, what do you suggest? And what do you think I should do? And so both are good to an extent. So, and then there is a third group of people who are saying, you know, oh, I am so busy. I know I should be changing something. And then they are not doing anything. So we are not talking about this group because once they start doing something, they are going to be group one or two. But then, you know, once you start doing something about it, then if you are the type who really is reflective and you tend to sit in your cave forever coming up with answers and then you are not coming up with answers. So the strategy is actually you know, to go out of your comfort zone and to actually have more conversations with people. And if you are really the one who is going to talk to everyone else, but you are really scared of sitting with yourself because you don't know what might come up, then that's probably what you should be doing. And so I always say, you know, to generate an insight, you need to interrupt the pattern of how you have been doing Mm -hmm. things or how you have been thinking about them. And by choosing the more uncomfortable approach, you are almost guaranteed to have a new insight just because you are pushing yourself to do something that feels uncomfortable and it's not the type of doing things that you usually do. So that, I believe, is a really great strategy just to get started. And so forget about those lists, you know, create a list of 10 things you love and hate. So a lot of us were doing that and it it doesn't work Mm -hmm. and it doesn't work for a reason, because if that's what you naturally do the first time you think about a career change, most likely you are not going to come up with something new. And so it is really, you know, leaving that natural way of thinking and trying out something else. Well, that, that, that's really interesting because, um, and, and this seems to come up in so many conversations, but obviously the pandemic was highly disruptive to so many things, right? And yeah. for a lot of people that became that catalytic event that they would not have chosen for themselves, but it happened. And now there's been this disruption, as you say. For other people, it could be a layoff. Like I wasn't expecting, I thought I was just gonna keep doing what I was doing. And one day they call me into the HR person's office and gave me a box and I'm leaving. Like it got disrupted. And the way that I say it is sometimes the pause button gets pushed for you. And you're you're, you're sort of, you, you can either say you were forced to, or now you have the opportunity to, you know, yeah. actually yeah. take a step back and consider, is this really what I want to keep doing? Or is there something that would be more fulfilling for me? And again, in our experience, yeah. a lot of people yeah. need a yeah. disruptive event 
and to your point, double click, a disruptive process to help unmine or you know, unearth, mine out some of these insights that either we don't want to see or just can't see. Yeah, yeah. And, yep. and, and it's so great that you are saying that. And sometimes, even if it ha happens externally, so for example, a layoff, sometimes it's really something that you don't want. But often it is a thing that is, you know, long overdue. So basically you were thinking about changing something anyways, and you just did not have the time, the courage, whatever it is to do something about that. And sometimes there is this external circumstance that makes you rethink everything. And so in a way, you know, it, it seems to be a bad thing, but it actually could be a very good thing because you really need to go back and then to evaluate everything that you are doing and ask yourself, so does this make sense? And then what is the next step going forward? Yeah. And if I'm being transparent with our listening audience, I mean, even the, your starting career club, which was a significant career change for me, was something I had been thinking about for a number of years. And my corporate job, on the one hand, I was getting a lot of satisfaction from, and on the other hand, I wasn't. And you know, that started to come to a logical conclusion. And then that, back to the pandemic, was also, you know, uh, corresponding to the time when, you know, the headlines have 30 million, 40 million people have lost their jobs. And an external voice, a friend of mine said, Bob, if now's not the time, it's never going to be the time. You need to go do this. And, and I'm eternally grateful that he kind of kicked me in the pants and like, dude, go do this. And, you know, I can't imagine going back to my old life now. Yeah. So yeah. I think your point about external forces and external voices is really well made. Yeah. Yeah. And, you know, so sometimes when I speak to my clients and they cannot decide what to do, then we just turn the question around. So what will you regret not doing? So if you now think about your life in 10 years from now, so what is it that you want to do? And if you don't do it today, you are going to regret that, to, you know, in 10 years or five years from yes. now. And sometimes that is really a powerful mindset shift. So instead of saying, you know, what should I do? So, well, no, so, so that super resonates with me because I, I use that, that word not infrequently. It's like, I don't want to regret. And, and think about, you know, you've got young child. I've got four grown children. And would I tell my child, just make the safe choice. I know you don't enjoy it. I know that it doesn't utilize all of your talents or the things that you're curious about, but it's safe. Just, I would never tell my child to go do that. And so, you know, I, I, I want to talk about personal risk tolerances because my risk tolerance is higher than a lot of people's. Yeah. And so for me to say, you know what, I'm not going to live a, a life of regret. I'm going to go for it. I'm going to see what happens is more in keeping with my personality. If, if I say that to my wife, who's very, you know, likes to have everything buttoned up, wants to know what's going to happen next. So how does this work when you've got, you know, different um, risk appetites? Yeah. Oh, that is such a great question. And I'm so glad that you are talking about this because research actually suggests that there are two types of people. So there are people who are all about maximizing gains, and that would be you, also being, yeah. I'd say. And then there are, 
and then there's the other group of people and they are all about mitigating risks and you yes. actually need both types you know i always say i don't want to board a plane that wasn't checked by someone who is a risk mitigator but i yes. also know i wouldn't be able to board that plane if there was not someone who was able to think in a different mm -hmm. way yeah. saying i will make this thing fly and so you do need <laughs> both types and uh, and I guess really the art here is getting clear and getting in touch with who you are and then accepting that. So if you are someone who is not taking risks that easily, then you don't need to take all the risks of this world, you know? Mm. So it is also about saying, I am okay, I am good as you know, as I am, and I don't need to be someone I'm not. And if I still would like to try out something else, so what are the things that are going to give me that security so that I know I have a plan B? So a career change is not all about new adventure and doing everything just you know, to have a cool life because the definition of a great life is different for everyone. And so it is really about accepting who you are and what kind of risks you are willing to tolerate. Yeah. So I really like that. It doesn't have to be all or nothing. You know, you don't have yeah. to jump off a hundred foot high dive to yeah. be starting to explore something that might be more satisfying for you. We had a guest on last year who's been the CEO of a nonprofit. And I run into a lot of clients who think that at a certain stage of their life, they'd like to be part of a nonprofit. And what he suggested is, why don't you go volunteer for a while? Basically, wade into the pool a little bit, but you don't have to go all the way to quitting your job, not having a job, hoping to find a nonprofit to work out. Why don't you go volunteer at a nonprofit that you have some passion for and start to see if this is the environment and a cause that you actually would like to dedicate your career to? Yeah. Yeah. And, and and so that's it. And it's actually also the research that suggests that you are going to be more successful if you start testing things out and yeah. then actually taking the risk out of the risk taking. So even if you are the adventurous <laughs> type, if you have someone who can really help you reevaluate what you are doing, it really can help you create a stra strategy that works long term. And so it doesn't always need to mean making that huge leap, especially if that's not what you need in life. If stability and security is what you need in life, then the question is, what will give you this security and stability? So will you start building something while, you know, at your job? Like you said, are you going to volunteer? Maybe you can even just start talking to people who are on that different career path and then looking. So what does it look like for them? And then really getting, you know, that real picture, what is this job really about? And then going from there and saying, oh, maybe I like it, but maybe even not. And if I don't like it, then it's also okay. So just because you started going in one direction, it doesn't mean that you need to finish there. So one of the things that you're just kind of popping in my mind as we're talking about this is, Having an intentionality, um, we were speaking with another career coach recently and, you know, what I call a pinball career, you know, like a pinball machine and, and the ball just bounces off the last thing that hit it. Oh, my boss says, you know, left and she went to a different place. And so I followed her. And then they said, hey, you should come and work in this department. I think you'd be good in this role. 
And you're just sort of doing what other people essentially are architecting for your career. And all of a sudden you're 15, 20 years into it. It's like, is this really where I want it to be? Is this really what I wanted to be doing? And what I really enjoy about what you're saying, Anna, is it's like just stopping long enough to, to inject some process and intentionality and reflection to say, is this what I want to be doing? If yes, good. You know, we're happy for you that you're doing what you want to be doing. But if the answer is something less than yes, how can you start to explore what yeah. could be more satisfying for you and using your gifts in a more fulfilling way? Yeah. Yeah. And so that's really it, because I see a lot of people feeling this pressure that they need to be more courageous. And so there are yes. tools that can help you get there. But again, it is also about self-acceptance, you know, so I am not Bob, so I am not going to do the same choices like he does. And that's totally okay, because I am Anna and I need something else in life. And it doesn't mean that my life needs to be dull and boring. It just means that I need different structures and different tools to make it work for me. Okay, so so I want to talk about the role of fear and, and the kinds of things that because even for somebody like me, like you say, I'm an opportunity maximizer and I am willing to take a lot more risk than other people. It doesn't mean that I'm not afraid. And it doesn't mean that there are things that, you know, can create self-doubt. And, and I'm wondering if you could just you know, talk for a minute about some of the different ways that you see fear you know, entering into the equation and how it might manifest itself. Well, that's, yeah, a great question. So this is actually not my thought. I have read that somewhere, that fear is actually energy. And so you can decide what to do with this energy. You can Mm. let it cripple you, or you can use that energy as a fool. And so what I see is actually why not using it, you know, as an extra energy for the projects that you want to tackle. So instead of saying, oh, you know, I'm feeling this fear and I'm going to stop, why not saying I'm feeling this fear and I'm doing it anyways, and then seeing where that brings me. And so I really do believe that we can, you know, redirect that energy from leading us, let's say from, from being in that place of fear to being in that place, you know, I, yeah, I'm afraid and still I'm doing it. Could you, doing some of the, the, the prep work for this discussion, you know, I came across your four blockers, which, yeah. you know, seems to kind of be in that sphere of fear, if that's a word, but, but could you, could you help people understand what the four blockers are and, and how they can, you know, maybe begin to address them, identify them and then address them? Yeah, sure. So I've actually created an assessment for people to identify what is really blocking them from creating the career they want. And if I ask people, so what is standing between you and the career that you want, then people will usually say, I don't have the experience or uh, no uh, recruiters are not reading my resume and whatever it is. But these are all so, so these are all superficial blockers. So that is Mm -hmm. not the real root cause. So if you dig deeper, then you will see that there is something going on in here. 
And so what you want to do is you want to discover what that is. And so I have discovered or identified actually four main blockers that career changers uh, usually face. And so one of them, for example, is the inner protector blocker. And that, you know, and so the, the driving thought of this blocker is, what if I fail? So I know what I want to do. And I, you know, I, I know I'd be really happy doing that. But what will happen if I don't pull it through? And so how that actually shows up in your job search and in your interviews is that you are sitting in a job interview and then you are supposed to negotiate your salary. But then there is a blocker that says, oh, what if I fail? So you're not going to ask. And then you see a red flag in the job interview. And then you want to ask a question about the company's culture. And then you're thinking, oh, but what if they rescind the offer or oh, if, what if they don't make an offer? And so you are quiet. And what happens is by doing that, you you actually you actually don't get that offer because then people think you are either not interested enough or you are not courageous enough or you are just not as good as other candidates who are able and willing to ask those tough questions. And it doesn't have anything to do with your competence. It actually has everything to do with how you feel about yourself and what is that driving fear that you have. And so to give you another example, a lot of people think um, I am not good enough, you know? And so basically it displays in a, in, so in, in, in a very similar way because when you are think that you are not good enough and let's say you are not what people call a traditional candidate. So maybe, you know, you are a man and you are interviewing in a women dominated field or the opposite, whatever it may be, it may be your skin color. It may be just, you know, your way, the way you look, whatever it may be. And then, so you feel that you are not one of them. And so by thinking, I am not good enough, you go into that interview and what your brain does, it actually, you know, it actually is busy looking for differences because you feel that you don't belong. And so instead of using your brain's energy to problem solve, your brain is actually busy looking for danger, for threats, you know, because this environment is different right. than you are. And so you are not good enough. And so it, again, it shows up in how you actually communicate in that interview. And so it is very subtle, but in the end, this is actually what is driving our behavior and not those external factors like not having the right experience or not having a good resume.